Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Cleared for Takeoff. I'm your host, Gavin Rice, and I want to share what I've learned in aviation both on the job, off the job, and what I've encountered everywhere in between. Well, I'm kind of just living off the excitement of last week's episode. The interview I had with Kellen was just so much fun. So if you have not listened to that episode, please, please go back and give it a listen. It's episode nine. It was just so much fun. Uh, The two of us were just chatting and and reliving our training days uh, when we first got into the airline. So it's a lot of fun. Please go listen if you have not. This episode is going to be a pretty quick one uh, just because I've got all of a sudden a lot on my plate. Uh, Last month, February, I didn't fly at all, actually, believe it or not. And then March got really busy. Uh, I had, let's see, March 2nd through the 4th, I had this three-day trip that I had I had planned out. I, I got it on my schedule because I traded some of my long-call reserve days with another uh, guy in, in Boston. And little did I know that it wasn't until I saw this trip uh, show up on my schedule that I realized it was a Pittsburgh trip. And so that meant that I needed to essentially be a commuter for this trip and commute to Pittsburgh uh, and luckily, it was commutable on the front end, meaning that you know I, I could take a flight from Boston to Pittsburgh, and I'd be able to start my day the same day instead of having to fly in the day before. So it, it worked out in that regard, uh, but the back end of the trip, the end when I got back to Pittsburgh, it was later at night, so there were no more flights back to Boston. But that's why I went to Kellen's place in Pittsburgh, and we were able to record that episode. So again, please, please give it a listen if you haven't already. Lots of fun. Uh, But what my scheduling had done is that at the end of that three-day trip, again, ending in Pittsburgh uh, and where I stayed with Kellen, uh, the company had thrown on a two-day trip that started in Boston and it started right away the next day in Boston. So I was going to be late at night. This was Saturday the 4th in Pittsburgh. And then the next day, Sunday the 5th, I was supposed to be in Boston, I don't know, around 1 or 2 p.m., which... That would have been very stressful and I I could have lost some sleep. But luckily, the first leg of that trip started with a deadhead to JFK. And then the first flight I was operating would be uh, around 4 p.m. or something like that, leaving JFK. So that meant that I could do what's called faking out the deadhead, where I essentially call the company and say, hey, uh, I am not going to take this flight. I'm going to get to where I need to be on my own. Uh, because that flight was scheduled from my home base of Boston to get me to JFK, but since I was already in Pittsburgh, I didn't need to take that flight. I wasn't going to go back to Boston just to go Boston to JFK. I was going to bypass that flight and go from Pittsburgh to JFK. So that's what I did. I was able to get a decent night's rest, uh, but then I had to start this two-day trip, uh, which it was it was a really fun trip. I'm, I'm glad it was there uh, on my schedule because I got to fly with the same Czech airman who signed me off for my uh, line check, my initial operating experience, my IOE line check about a year prior. And I also went through recurrent training back in December with this guy too. So getting to fly with him again and work with him was, it was absolute joy. Even though it was just a quick two day trip, it was really fun. Uh, And all of us, the the crew, we didn't didn't have a chance to go out because it was a, a fairly quick overnight. Uh, but it was it was still a really fun crew, and, and I do remember in one of our sits in Raleigh, 
uh, we were all just hanging out at a table eating our food and we were having a great chat and we all got along really well. So it was, it was really good. And I'm, I'm really glad, uh, that, that I did get to go on that trip, even though it added to being away from home. It was, you know, I was supposed to only be away for three days and that turned into five days away from home. It still ended up being a really good time. So then I thought, okay, at the end of this trip, I'd, I'd be coming home and then I'd have a series of days where I was home, yes, on call on reserve, but since I'd just flown and just been called, the, the chances of being called again were supposed to be slim, uh, and they were, and, and I did not get called. Um, but what did happen is a buddy of mine who owns a Mooney, my buddy Chuck owns a, a Mooney General Aviation small piston aircraft, and he, uh, he had... Uh, he had evacuated his plane from one of the, the hurricanes that happened in Florida. He had brought it up to, to the Harrisburg area where he's from in Pennsylvania. And so he had it up there and he was going to have another friend help him fly it back to Sarasota. But that friend backed out at the last minute, had something come up on his schedule. And so he called me. So I, I had come back from this trip thinking I had a good five or six days at home before my next thing that I had to be there for. Um, but all of a sudden he called me and the next day I was on a flight. I think this was Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday the 8th, I was on a flight to Harrisburg. And then the next morning we got up early and we flew all the way from Harrisburg down to Sarasota in his Mooney. And it was overall a, a really uneventful flight. Um, it, was, it was really fun to hop back in that plane because I had actually helped him fly that plane, which he had just bought a year prior and he had bought it in California, just outside of Palm Springs, California. And so literally a year prior, I had helped him fly it across the country from Palm Springs, California, all the way over to Florida. And so it was kind of fun doing doing this again, sort of a, a long trip, not quite as long of a trip. Uh, that was a, a two day trip we did uh, the year prior. But this day, it was still a long day. Uh, we did end up making two fuel stops. Uh, just because we probably could have made it in one fuel stop. We, we stopped in Stanley, North Carolina. Uh, we decided to make another fuel stop just to be safe because we ended up having to drop our altitude, which meant burning a little more fuel and, and not getting as good of ground speed, uh, just because there was this weird hazy layer going on at, at our cruising altitude of 85 uh, or 8,500 feet, 8,500 feet. And so we decided to drop lower, which like I said, meant burning more fuel and it was going to take more time. So we decided that, okay, we'll make one more fuel stop. We stopped in Lake City, and then we went on our final leg from Lake City, Florida, to, to Sarasota, where he's he's got the plane now. And everything was pretty uneventful. Uh, the stop in Lake City, that, that second fuel stop, was a quicker one compared to the previous one where we had stopped and got lunch. Uh, so this one in Lake City was, was pretty quick, which meant that we were shutting down the plane, getting fuel, and starting it right back up. And at this point, it was pretty much the peak heat of the day, and the engine, of course, was still really hot. And a hot start for a fuel-injected engine, particularly an older, a slightly older engine, is really difficult to do. And I think it took us five or six times to get that thing started. But we did get it started back up, and all was well. So we made our way on, on the way down to Sarasota. We actually did a sort of a beach transition uh, along the, the coast, just to the west of Tampa. And I think we were bouncing around between 1,500 and 2,000 feet and got a really nice view of all the houses down there. So that was really fun. And then uh, we came around the bay and got in towards Sarasota. And Sarasota has a perpendicular runway operation. So they got, uh, I think runway 32 was in use, but they also offered us runway 22. And coming from the north, uh, 
because they offered us either 3-2 or 2-2, I said, yeah, let's let's go for 2-2 because that would be a right base, which is just kind of easier. We could get on the ground sooner instead of getting extended on our downwind all the way to come back and land on runway 3-2. And I figured, too, with a lot of the airliners coming in that we might be able to kind of just squeak in in between the airliners. So we're, we're set up on a right base for runway 2-2 in Sarasota. And all of a sudden, uh, the tower controller, who we were talking to at this point, gave us a traffic alert, you know, Mooney heads up, there, there's traffic at your 12 o'clock, less than one mile, uh, altitude indicates, you know, like 100 feet below you. And we did not see anything. And I just kept saying, negative contact, well, what's your best option? Should we turn towards the field now? And she just says, climb now, climb. And so we, we quickly climbed. And then uh, Chuck, who was sitting on the left side, he did end up seeing it out the left side of the plane. But it was just kind of a, oh, crap kind of moment where, uh, not exactly a near miss per se, but it was a lot closer than we'd like to be to any aircraft. So then that was fine. Uh, we got ourselves back squared away on final and the controller told us that we got one United plane departing uh, on 3-2 and then you'll have a Delta plane uh, landing after that. So we saw the United plane take off and then she said, all right, you're cleared to land 2-2. You've got a 737 on a five mile final. Cool. I think we'd make it. You know, at this point, we're on a two-mile final for 2-2. We're still coming in, I don't know, 120 miles an hour. So I think we would have had enough room. But then I look out to my left. And at this point, I, I handed the controls back to, to Chuck. Chuck was doing all the landings. I was just kind of helping him, you know, just being the helpful friend to, to help on the radios and, and, you know, switch off with flying. But since he's more recently experienced with the landings in the small planes, you know, I, I wasn't going to do any of the landings. So... Uh, controls were back to him. I look outside and I'm looking to the left. And I see this this Delta 737 coming. I'm thinking, I don't know if this is going to work. They're coming in hot. And sure enough, they called out the go around. So we did the go around and we come back around. And this time it, it did work on that second time. So we land, good landing. And about halfway through the landing rollout, all of a sudden the engine stops, which is a little bit freaky uh, to ever have an engine failure in your plane. But to give it a little bit of a backstory, the throttle cable on this older Mooney was a little bit finicky when you pulled it back to idle while you were still on the ground, uh, which means that essentially it, it, it probably needs to be tightened up or something, and that's something that I'm sure Chuck's going to work on now. Uh, but because of that, when you're on the ground, if you yank the throttle back too much, uh, it, it could cause the engine to stop. When you're in the air, that would never happen. You could yank it back as far as you can, but because the propeller is windmilling, there's a lot of air resistance, the engine is still gonna be running. So it would never shut off in flight. So it's not like we had an engine failure per se. It's just that the, the throttle cable uh, was, I guess, a little bit too loose or something. And so again, halfway through the rollout, uh, I think Chuck just pulled a little too hard, caused the engine to shut off. We luckily did have enough momentum to get off the runway, and then we came to a stop, and I was on the radio, and I had to call. I said, hey, ground, uh, got ourselves a bit of a situation here. We're a bit disabled. Uh, we're not able to move. We needed to go, I don't know, maybe 100 yards just to get, maybe less than that, just to get to the FBO we were going to. Uh, but it was enough where I had to call, and I told ground, I said, hey, we're disabled for a minute. We'll try and restart best we can but no promises and he said all right keep me in the loop so we did try and restart five or six times and it just was not restarting because again hot engine uh, even though peak heat was done for the day the engine itself was really hot and, and again like i said earlier a fuel injected engine that's that's slightly older 
hot starts are just very difficult to do. And so we couldn't get the thing started. So I, I called up ground again. I said, hey, we're, we're not going to be able to, to uh, move under our own power. So can you work something out with operations? And he said, yep, no worries. So uh, the operations on the airport, their pickup truck, they escorted a, a golf cart from the FBO uh, onto our taxiway. And they, they hooked us up and, and then towed us off. The funny thing is during that time, there was a, I think it was a 737 that was just facing us and waiting for us. We were literally blocking a 737 uh, for a little while. It turns out that Tower had enough of a gap on the runway that they actually turned the 737 and got them back onto the runway to kind of back taxi and bypass us. Uh, but it was just kind of funny to think that, oh, you know, we're the reason that a 737 is going to sit there and burn more fuel than it needs to. So it <laughs> uh, just goes to show that things happen. Um, and again, like I said, this this was not an engine failure by any means. It's just a little throttle linkage issue uh, that caused the engine to shut down. So, But we made it back to the, the FBO. We got everything all squared away. And, and I was, uh, if... That delay hadn't happened. I was actually going to hop to the other side of the airport and take a flight from Sarasota back to Boston that same night. Uh, but it just, it would have been, I would have been a little too rushed to make that last flight. And I would have had to connect through Atlanta. And, and then the flight from Atlanta to Boston was, was really full. So I didn't want to risk uh, going through all that stress of rushing and then being stuck in, in Atlanta versus I could just spend the night at, at Chuck's place. So that's what we did. We, we go back to his place and then uh, I'm sure he really loved it, but <laughs> I had to wake him up really early to take that first flight back uh, to get back to Boston because I had a lot of stuff on my plate. Um, because Saturday the 11th, it's the time that I'm recording this right now, actually, I had a family gathering up in New Hampshire that I needed to get to. Uh, and and again, like I said, March is getting so busy. So I, I come back from Sarasota. The next day I go to New Hampshire and now, again, as of this recording, tomorrow I am flying down to Myrtle Beach. I'm going to be down there for six days at a Ultimate Frisbee tournament. It's called High Tide uh, with a, a bunch of friends from, from college. So March has been just really busy all of a sudden, and it's just so different compared to last month. Uh, and, and then to top it all, my car's check engine light's coming on, so I got to figure out when I'm going to bring it into the shop. And when I come back from the Myrtle Beach tournament, I've got a few days home and then I go back to Florida because I will be going to the spring career fair at Embry-Riddle, my, uh, my old school there. So <laughs> just so much stuff is going on. And then when I finally come back from that, I got a string of reserve days, but hopefully knock on something that things will calm down uh, because this March has been just insanely busy. So anyway, this is a, a pretty short, episode, but I just wanted to make sure I, I did get an episode out and gave you guys sort of a, a life update, so to speak. Uh, but my plan is is kind of, again, going off of that last episode I had with Kellen, my plan is to talk about my backstory, uh, because I, I got to ask Kellen some questions about his backstory, his, his interest in aviation, uh, and I gave you guys a little bit of a sneak peek in the first, the very first episode, but it was kind of just a quick intro. So for next week's episode, what I'm going to do is give you guys just kind of an overview, an entire overview, more in depth of my whole backstory of how I got into aviation uh, through, you know, getting that aviation bug at a young kid and then the whole flight school process, becoming a flight instructor, uh, becoming a supervisor at the flight school, and then where I am today as an airline pilot. So that's what I have planned for you guys 
next week for that next episode. And again, I'll I'll reiterate, if you have not listened to the previous episode, the interview with Kellen, please do. It it was a lot of fun. It'd be a great thing for you to listen to, whether you're at home or or on the drive to or from work or whatever. It's just, it's a really fun time. We had a, a blast recording it. And I'm really looking forward to interviewing more and more people, some more friends, some colleagues, uh, again, from training classes or, or just friends from college, whatever. I'm, I'm just so excited uh, to be doing these interviews. So anyway, that pretty much just wraps up this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I know it's short but sweet. So just stay tuned for next week when, again, I just jump into my past and give you a whole overview of how I got into aviation. So I'll be back next Friday. And until then, as always, fly safe.